Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. Coach Yass here. I've got a very special guest with me this afternoon. Our guest this afternoon is Gerard Jones. Good, good afternoon, Gerard. How are you, man? Yeah, good. How's it all going? How are you? Very well, thanks. Thank you for joining me today, Gerard. Um, just before we get cracking, would you mind maybe just sharing a little bit of insight around who you are and what you do at this point in time, Gerard? Yeah, uh, obviously I work in football. That's my, my sport. As well as coaching football and work as a coach educator, uh, I'm also studying my PhD at the minute part-time with uh, Sheffield Hallam University. So that's looking at the detail of not only practice design, but how coaches use feedback to guide players' attentional search. So where they're looking, their attention, and effectively their decision-making. And that's something that's really sort of underpinned even before doing the PhD, everything that I've, I believe in when I'm coaching about creating these environments where players are given problems to solve. Um, in a nutshell, worked in academy football and professional football. Uh, we pretty much worked at every level, apart from senior first team uh, level as a head coach or a first team coach. I've worked in grassroots, non-league, as a head coach manager at semi-pro level. Um, worked in the United States, Italy, Norway. Uh, did a couple of things in New Zealand. Um, where else? Bromley, United States, UK, and most recently Morocco with the uh, Royal Moroccan Football Federation. I was the elite coach educator. So I was responsible for all the teaching and, and doing the, the pro license, the A license courses and youth awards and things like that. And as I say, prior to that academy level. Um, and then in addition to that, probably the best thing, mate, as you, is uh, a dad. You'll probably hear the boys uh, screaming in the background, but that's... That's a little bit of me. I've got uh, a three-year-old and a one-year-old and uh, two puppies. Amazing, amazing. Uh, definitely being a father is uh, one of the most incredible things that I've ever, ever experienced. I've, done, I've been fortunate enough to do it three times over uh, myself. But enough about oh. that. Right to the heart of it for you, Gerard. Where did the coaching journey be? Or where did your journey with the game begin? Great question. Well, originally it was, um, I was always fascinated with coaching. And even when I was a player, I knew I wasn't necessarily going to be an amazing player. Um, but when I was playing for Halifax Town's youth team, uh, I was with them when they were in the conference back in, this is 2006 to 2008. And with Halifax, we had an opportunity through the college to do stuff uh, in the local college. Um, I used to come down and do sessions on an evening with the, back then, what was called a centre of excellence. This is before, this is how Wilkinson's model um, uh, charter for quality uh, 
before what is now the EPPP. So you'd have academies and then C of E's. Um, so I used to work at Halifax Town Centre of Excellence. And then uh, obviously prior to that, running after school clubs, holiday courses. And that's how it started. And then from there, gradually just gaining more and more confidence. Uh, went to university, got released as a player. Um, and at Hull Uni, I was working with the university squads. And then I set up my own coaching business, going into schools, running after school clubs, holiday courses, development centres, coaching one-to-ones, private one-to-ones for a bit of extra pin money. And the business sort of evolved and, and grew where I was employing staff and growing really well. And then from there, it just cascaded really onto working at different academies and at different age groups. So just, you know, you're talking about a wide range of experiences, really. Take, take us back to, obviously, you, know, you said you're a youth, former youth, former player at um, Halifax Town. Yeah. At what point in your journey did you feel like coaching was going to be a thing? When did it become? Because, obviously, you know, I'm, not, I'm sure not every player goes in. Well, in fact, I don't think most players go into the play, uh, playing January. Okay. Right, yeah, I'm, I can't wait to become a coach at the end of this. So well, at what point did you start to really take coaching? Yeah, it's fascinating because I honestly, obviously, I always wanted to be a player. And sometimes you can be a bit deluded, right? <laughs> With your ability or how good you think you are. And I had a couple of trials. I actually had trials at Stockport. Um, I had trials at Mansfield Town. And I had trials with Doncaster. Doncaster was only a week. And it was around that time when I was playing for, obviously, the youth team for Halifax Town. And I was pushing for youth team reserves, never got into the first team. And um, I've always been interested. I mean, obviously, years ago, I'm sure you were the same, maybe. You'd play football manager or back then championship manager and things like that. But I always loved coaching. I always loved working with people. Um, and I always felt I'd be a better coach or a better teacher than as a player. Um, but interestingly, you know, whilst going on these trials and obviously they were unsuccessful, and then uh, I played a couple of games at non-league level for a couple of different clubs, um, Conference North clubs and, and things like that. And I always thought, you know what, is this going to be my career? I actually, there was me and a friend of mine, you asked a really good question, because one of them, one of my mates was playing for a Premier League club. He was actually on the bench when they got promoted from the champ to the Premier League. Anyway, long story short, got released, went to play for a couple of lower league clubs and then non-league, and he ended up playing in, you know, really lower leagues, um, below the conference, you know, he's playing at, like, uh, Northern Premier League standard and things like that. And it was only till later he got into coaching. Um, but I had the hindsight, uh, sort of, like, pre-thought before where I thought, do I want to do that? I don't want to be in my thirties and I just start coaching or late twenties. I want to try, sorry for the dogs. I want to try and get into a position where if I can learn as much as I can now and develop my trade and become as good as I can at teaching, talking, how you interact with people, how you develop a relationship. So I, I had this hunger to start earlier. So actually, obviously I told you before I was coaching when I was 16, 13, 14 type of thing. But then even when I was a youth team player at 19 and I knew I've got released, gone to a couple of non-league clubs, played a few games. Is this really where I'm going to be? You know, am I going to play non-league? What am I going to do for a living? What am I going to do for a job? Do I really want to do that? And I just thought, you know what, I've got, let's dive into this now and go for it. And I went to university, applied to university late. Um, I actually got through clearing, which is unbelievable, um, lastmate.com. And then since there, it just evolved. You talk, you talk there about, you know, 
you're coaching at even at such a young age. But then, so how does that that young man who was playing for the Halifax Town youth team um, several years later become the elite coach educator for the Royal Moroccan Football Federation? Where, what, what, how does that happen? Yeah, wow. Um, I think it's uh, it was well, it wasn't your typical route. I know that uh, most people would normally go through an, another traditional route, if you like. Um, and I don't think that, you know, it doesn't necessarily, I think it's an interesting one that anyone who's listening, what they should think is that you don't have to have a, a sort of set way or a linear way. There's only one way of going somewhere. But typically, most people have gone through sort of different age groups as I have, but maybe um, done other roles and things like that and, and typically worked maybe in one country or whatever. Um you know, whereas I've had a very sort of um, wobbly trajectory, if you like. I mean, 2006, I'm playing for Halifax Sounds youth team, left Halifax at 2008 and uh, rolled on to a degree, set up my first coaching business in 2009, fast forward to 2020, and obviously 2021, elite coach educator for the Royal Moroccan Football Federation. A lot of that was just really building good relationships with people, um, going to the United States, gaining experience as a director of coaching, working at those levels, being responsible for large budgets, mentoring coaches, um, even though there's it's a grassroots level, sort of developing coaches to be better. You know, yeah, it depends. It, it, and, and I think it's an interesting one because there's no right or wrong way, if you like, right? Um, but what I've probably, to get there, for me, I've needed to you know, learn other skills. I was probably really good at things that other people weren't, but a lot of the things that most people would be good at, I wasn't, if that makes sense. And I think, you know, because of that, I've had to go another route and I've gone to America, I've gone to Italy, I've, I've gained so many different experiences. And that's what's probably took me to Morocco. You know, I worked as a coach educator briefly. I worked to training with um, from people um also i was an instructor for a few years with the united states Federation, and that was incredible experience and i think because of those experiences coupled with what i've done at academy level and at, at different levels and developing players i've just gained another perspective on things and because i think differently that's probably why i got the role you know um which is an advantage to not going down your sort of traditional route to get to that type of top job because effectively, most people would have that job. Um, no disrespect to it, I'm not saying to be offensive to anybody, but they'd be a lot older in age. You know, so the people that I was working with, they're all in the 50s. Yeah. I'm 32. So I think, I think that's an interesting factor as well, you know? Of course. And I think one of the uh, one of the key things to kind of really highlight on there is that you, you, you talked about the, the path not being linear. It being, you know, having its own kind of journey. It could be ups and downs and wobbles along the way, as you, as you put it. But I think the key thing is you've got that role, not doing it the traditional way, if you like which yeah. I guess maybe more speaks to just the value that they thought or they believe that you could add, even if it wasn't in yeah. a traditional manner. So, which, you know, which is a, something that you should, you know, you should be really proud of in that respect. So just, you know, I know that you've, you've just mentioned that you've recently left the role as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, would you mind me just sharing a little bit around what, that, what, what does that look like? You know, being an elite coach educator in Morocco um, and maybe compare some of the experiences that you've seen of, what that could look like over here and what are the major differences in the pathways would you would you say 
Well, the biggest difference is the culture, you know, and, and it's really important that people need to be aware that there'll be certain things that work in England, in the United States, for example, that just will not work in them sort of countries like your, your Qatar's, your Morocco's, Arab, Arab sort of countries. Um, and interestingly as well, obviously Africa, working in Africa is a, is a huge challenge um, because of the culture, because of the, the different sort of influences, how people like to do things. So for me, um, the biggest thing would be just knowing how to build relationships with people and get over a language barrier. Because of course there was a language barrier, um, you know, yet they don't speak English very well. So you've got to learn either Arabic, Spanish, French. French is obviously probably the second language. Um, so yeah, uh, that really. And in terms of the pathway itself, um, you know, would you mind maybe just sharing some insights around what their, if you like, their principles and their philosophies and their you know their DNA looks like from a Moroccan standpoint, because you know we we're generally led to believe that England is the home of football and that the FA is the most prestigious football federation globally. Um, they certainly got they certainly right. have a high reputation, a really good reputation from that perspective to the point where people would say that actually, even if maybe the education wasn't necessarily the same, but purely because of the fact you've got an English. UA for A license or UA for B license, it's seen in some to some people in some people's eyes as more prestigious than getting it from elsewhere. So maybe just talk to that a little bit in terms of what the pathway looks like as a in terms of the key messages that they try and get out and, and how how much that maybe differs from what we what we used to maybe in the UK. Well, interestingly, um, apologies for the dogs barking. Interestingly, they're very similar. To be honest with you, I, I actually went out there and I saw this opinion that I thought, you know, are they, where are they going to be at in terms of their level? I was really, really impressed. I don't know if that's because Morocco is obviously a lot closer to Europe, right? So they'll be influenced a lot by European, and they've had a lot of Europeans in there over the years. Um, but you're right, you've touched on something. I mean, look, just because you have an A licence or whatever from uh, the English FA or even an A licence in general, doesn't mean you that you know what you're talking about. I've met a lot of coaches who don't have UA for licenses, but my God, they're outstanding. Really good at coaching, great technical detail, you know, the micro details. Um, that was one thing that we stressed within the Moroccan Federation and something that we did in terms of how we structured the courses and developed the courses to, to achieve the CAF convention was basically how can you get better at the real detail? Um, how can you create environments that are decision rich? Everything we do has to be reality based. And that's a common thread all over the world. Um, people are starting to shift towards that, right? If they haven't already. How can everything we do be individual focused? So uh, who's the individual at the center of this story? Is it the player? Is it the coach? What are their needs? What are their wants? So for me, that's a huge piece that we want to focus on that individual um, and try and make them better. And those are some of the sort of things that we promoted and certainly I promoted and I made sure that every course I delivered, um, whether it was helping to create content and, and doing stuff and assisting on the pro, whether it was delivering and leading on other courses, you know, like the A's, the, the B's, the youth awards, etc. Everything was always about who's the individual and how can create opportunities 
for players to solve problems or coaches to solve problems. And those would be the things. I know they align similar with the FA. Probably what we did that was very different was the environment was probably a lot more relaxed. You know, over there, you'll hear things like tranquil, you know, you want to have a meeting, we'll have a meeting tomorrow, inshallah. You know, but it is very much like that in terms of everything's very shway, shway, bashwia, bashwia. You know, take your time, slowly, slowly, relax. Um, and I actually like that approach. Uh, I found that we did a lot of good work informally rather than formally. I think sometimes those environments can be too stressful, you know? You make some great points there. So I guess, you know, what would you say that, you know, going into a different culture, first of all, um, but also then the role in itself in terms of the, having to, I guess, oversee and supervise the development of a, of a staff and coaches. Um, what would you say that role taught you about leadership and leading others generally? Well, how, how, you, how you bring people with you is key, mate. That is huge. You know, if you talk to any of the best leaders in the world and you talk to anyone in general, and that's whether, you know, as a coach, as a head of coaching, as a part-time coach, it doesn't matter whatever role you're in, I think in a lot of respects, it's difficult because I'm going to make a statement here and it's going to sound interesting. Obviously, I think we've got to get away with hierarchical structures because sometimes when you sort of focus on this hierarchical approach, the danger with that is that you can, well, for a start, you can miss opportunities. Irrespective, it does, to me, I don't care what role you're in, mate, whether I'm above you, below you, whatever, we're, we're equal. Everyone's got a contribution to play. And everyone has a right and a voice to, to contribute, right? And it, it should, we shouldn't assume that because somebody's in this position, they know more or, than this person. Or equally, if I'm in this position, I can't talk to the person in this position. The reason why I mention that is because it's fascinating because in Morocco, from my experience and, and other people that have been over there will definitely vouch for this, it is hierarchical. It's very cultural. It's very much, you know, if I'm here and I'm at this level, um, I, I don't necessarily associate with you or talk to you. You can't talk to me. I go to someone at this level. You know what I mean? It's it, it's interesting. Or if I want to get to you, I'll talk to this person. So, and it, and sometimes that can be a very limiting factor in getting things done. And you got to find a way to sort of break down those barriers. And also, just I use that phrase a lot: how you bring people with you. You know, so we're on this journey together. How do you influence? How do you get your message across so that? Um, you know, it's 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 our story rather than me imposing something upon you or you feeling that I'm imposing something yeah. upon you. I, I think that's a key, really key, you know. And it's difficult I, in Morocco and Africa. It's very difficult to achieve that. Right. No, and I, and, I, and I echo that. I think what you said there is spot on. I mean, even in the way that I work, if, you know, similar to yourself, you know, over the last couple of years, I've done some coach education pieces as well as obviously coaching itself. And, um, I try to really shift away from this idea of right, just because I'm the coach, I'm doing everything and I'm in control of everything when I'm leading everything. Um, and oh. much more move to a direction of actually, rather than me taking you on a journey, we're going to be on this journey together. And it's much more. Oh. And I feel that from my experiences so far, that that definitely has brought me more uh, impactful and positive results from the interactions I've had with you, whether that be players, whether that be coach uh, mentees or learners or however you wish to view them um so I, de I definitely do you know back that that way of working i think it, it definitely is a good way to work going forward so i guess 
you know, you were talking there about your experiences. You know, you've had brief time at, um, was it Bristol City or Bristol Rovers, was it? Head of coach? Uh, Bristol Rovers for a short period of time. Uh, Bristol Rovers and then uh, obviously prior to that, Rochdale. I've worked at Rochdale as the academy coach. Yeah. Um, done some stuff with Bradford through Rayesa. Worked for the United States Soccer Federation. Uh, worked in the United States as a director of coaching for a number of years. Um, at, at many different levels and work with college athletes, Division One, right down to Division Three college athletes. Work with players that have been fortunate enough to, to obviously progress and are still now playing for the US men's national team Amazing. or, you know, uh, well, obviously different MLS clubs and things like that. So, yeah, it's sure. been good. So, you know, just you, you talk about a wide range of experiences there, um, both in, as in a coaching capacity, directional coaching, coach education, head of coaching. Um, wide range of experiences but I guess those all those experiences will give you an opportunity to potentially uh, have an influence and an impact on other people's journeys but I'm more interested in you know about yourself than you know has anyone been a major influence for you have you had any key lessons or experience or key experiences in your journey that you have that you've got taken a lesson away from that it's just kind of stayed with you from until now well I think you're always uh, learning from everyone, right? Everyone you interact with, and and sometimes more often than not, you're learning from the bad things, you know, as much as the good. Hundred percent. Well, I'm probably fortunate enough, uh, right? Um, but I'm probably fortunate enough. I've met a lot of strong characters. So obviously, working with Oshan Roberts, I mean, you can't get much better than him in terms of, you know, his experience and his profile. Working at the, you know, the men's national level with uh, Wales as assistant manager, technical director, working at different age groups. To, to uh, I'd say, people like Tony Ellis, who's academy manager at Rochdale. Amazing experience. I've said this on many different podcasts, many different uh, webinars and things like that, and people I talk to. What a fantastic man, great leader, extremely challenging. Uh, and I mean that in a good way. You know, he'll challenge you and sometimes make you uncomfortable, but comfortable with being uncomfortable. Very, very good. Strong personality, strong character, um, and sometimes can be harsh, uh, but that's okay. Um, but, you know, always cared about his staff. I always knew, and he would call me sometimes late in the evening and we'd talk about football or, or even not. You just talk about life in general. Uh, met a lot of good people like Rick Ashcroft, who's now at United. Uh, obviously, former Rochdale, Burnley, etc. cetera. Um, John Cartwright, ex-West Ham, Arsenal, um, you know, Arsenal coach for years, used to be involved with the FA, with the, with the uh, obviously, the different technical squads. Um, John Cartwright's a legend in the game. I don't know if you're familiar with the name. Um, Roger Wilkinson, uh, to even people like your Pete Sturgis's of the world and people like that, you know, so... Coming across them sort of people and Ben Bartlett and all those guys with the FA over the years on different courses and things like that. They're the people that have probably shaped me in a lot of good ways because they've always sort of offered another perspective. Uh, and the biggest thing is that they've cared. You know, like um, I mentioned another one, Tuzi, with the FA. What a fantastic guy who, who really cares about people. You know, and, and um, his attention to detail is great. He's, he's very purposeful in his observation in terms of what he looks for within a practice and and, and how he supports coaches 
And uh, for him, it's all about just building relationships. So you learn from those guys, you know, they're, they're the best guys. And then, of course, you know, the list goes on, like your John McDermott's and, and people like that, who are another characters and stronger personalities, right? What would you say is, you know, you've talked about a wide range of people there, and I'm sure you've picked up many different things from each of them, and I'm sure you'll continue to do so. But if you had to kind of say, right, the biggest thing I've taken away was X, what would that be? It, it, more specifically from a, a perspective of learning off, if you like, um, if you want to call them it, a mentor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, for me, obviously, people always say, you know, relationships is key, right? And, and things like that. But if you to put me on one thing, one thing I would stress is know the history of your subject. Know the history of your subject. What I mean by that is it's really important that whatever we're doing, you know why. You're not just doing something for the sake of doing it. So throughout my coaching, I've always tried to be better at planning and knowing the why. And, and that comes from your practice design. That comes from, you know, if I'm doing this, why, why have I introduced that rule? You know, where's that come from? You know, if it's stupid things like um, defending free kicks with a wall, why does everyone do that? I know some don't, but why? Why, why, why do we do that? You know, who said you have to defend that way? Um, challenging status quo. Uh, know the history of subjects. So there's a great book by, um, what's it called? Inverting the Pyramid. Yeah, you're probably familiar with it. And obviously there it talks about the history of formations and animations and things like that. But it's interesting how, you know, the principles of the game, you know, they don't change, it's the game. But if you look back at history and certain formations or structures in animation, if you look at the game now and how teams play, that's what they were doing. You know, even on that front cover, I think it's a one, two, three, five. And that yeah. was one of the first structures or a three, two, five or whatever. That's right, yeah, they used to have five up top, didn't they? Yeah, well, that's how you know, Man City won the won the league, and and that's how Guardiola will pin people and and cause problems between lines and create you know protect the center of the pitch and things like that. And there's a lot of things that have gone on back in the day, like real like the heart of when football started. That's we can see this evident and and exists in football now. So I would say know the history of your subject. You know, if it's teaching and you're saying that you want to teach in a particular style because you feel that that's a good approach or you want to work a certain way why where does that come from where's the theory that supports that what's the science and obviously that's my background anyway and as a phd student i'm constantly very critical in my questions anyway um so and, and it, it probably served me well as an elite coach educator because when you're working with former national team managers or current international managers or you're working with coaches who are you know, preparing for the CAF Champions League final and, and semi-finals and things like that and former players at top levels, you've got to know your stuff and you've got to know where it comes from. And, and if they challenge you, you've got to be able to understand why. So I would say that one, mate, that's a good one. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with that. I think, that, you know, that that it just reminds, it reminds me a little bit of myself, you know, in that often get asked the question, you know, I think all coaches have been there and I think we, we do discuss this a lot, you know, about philosophies and ideas and what you, what, what, how do you work and the way that you work. And for me, I always land back to, land back to this idea of, um, I consider myself as being a coach of the why. Oh, I like it. I think yeah. we can have all the practical stuff in there. We can have all the technical stuff in there and that's, that's all well and good, but we need to help the players understand uh, where it's going to be used, how it's going to be used, but more importantly, why it's going to be used at those times. 
Um, because if without that, then the rest of the stuff for me is useless until they get the understanding yeah. of the why. Because it, and I think the why also gives them the buy-in to, to to actually wanting to do it in that in that that way at that time for that reason. So um, for me, that, that that's a real key. I guess you know that's a little bit about maybe the way I work. How would you describe the fundamentals of your own coaching philosophy? Well, really good question. There was a guy. Obviously, one of the questions you asked me before was you know, relating to mentors and things like that, who's influenced you. And one name I gave you was Ben Bartlett. Um, and it's interesting, he won't know it, but obviously he has this coaching philosophy that he described in four Ds. It was based around decisions, difference, definition, and uh, what was the other one? Definition, difference, decisions, and... Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, what was the other one? It'll come to me. Anyway, uh, for me, I I came across that and I thought, wow, you know, I love that definition. We're on the pitch. What are we creating? Decisions. Yeah, you want a decision-rich environment. Difference. Yeah, you want to create individual uh, difference within the practice and so on. So all these things that he had, um, I just thought, wow, what would mine be? What would mine look like? And that was back in... Oh, well, one of the first time I met him was 2010. And then I think that even when that stuff was coming out, you're talking 2013, 2014, um, around the time I was doing my AYA. And um, so if anyone who doesn't know Advanced Youth Award. talking about the practice design stuff? Yeah, practice design, coaching yeah, philosophy. Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. So there was four of these. It was, um, so you've got difference, decision, I think definition only, definition and direction i think it was direction and that's probably one of the most important ones yeah bingo yeah. direction um and and for me and obviously that that was a huge one with united states soccer federation that everything that we did had to have some sort of direction to it because it, it's realism you know we attack one end and we defend the other so yeah. is there a clear method of scoring so basically from those initial conversations i was in i remember being in my house in my flat at the time and I was going, what would mine be? And I came up with uh, four Cs. I was like, Ben's got his four Ds. I'm going to have four Cs. Right. And I, I, I didn't want to copy Ben, even though they're great. And I wanted to make something that was unique to me and how I work. Because I think a big part of coaching, and it's something that you develop over time, is that authenticity. You know, be who you are. Be confident in your own skin. Yeah. And what do you believe? You know, so don't try and be, um, don't try and be another, you, you know, be the best version of you. Don't be another and Bala or another whoever, take the best bits from them, of course. Um, so mine was based around choice. So I think choice is a really clear one because in terms of coaching velocity, there has to be 
choices. Players need decisions to make, but they need to understand the consequence of those choices. So what's the rationale behind why we might attack this way or what's the problems that you're giving them to solve? So choices in terms of practice design is very important because we know that practice is search. Practice is search. So what that means is that everything we do has to be based on time, space and numbers because we know players make decisions based mm -hmm. on what they see, the information they're taking from their eyes. So search is a big one. Um, choice is a big one. After that, for me, competition. So competition is huge. Anyone who's worked at any level knows this. How can you create competition within the practice, within the environment? And even on a match day, how can you create competition that's going to be in between individuals so you can buddy players up whether competing against each other whether that's a duel um certain ways where you might incentivize point system rewards gamification whatever it may be or again certain um rewards or or uh, consequences for actions so you might create a game where if we score this way it's worth three points but if your team score against mine, it deducts one goal off my tally. So now if my team's killing it, we're on three points, we're already winning. But now you've just scored a point. Well, now it's 2-1. You score again, now you're winning 2-1. Do you know what I mean? It, it, little things like that. And that's just one example of many. So to me, competition, making it competitive, making it fun, making it challenging. And that becomes my next C, challenge. So how can you challenge individuals as well as challenge the team? So right. challenges are a huge one set players challenges give them problems to solve give them clues and then the final one is uh clarity you know because what? we have to know why which is what you said you got to know what's the relevance for me the player now today these question is always going to be why why yeah. am i doing this what's how is this relevant to me in my game it's interesting because you as you were talking that you meant you said the four seasons straight away for me as you were talking through it i came up with four I was thinking, what's his last one going to be? Because my first one was, <laughs> my second one was a competition. My third one was, um, I can't remember what my third one was now. I've lost it. But I was just thinking about it as you're going through it. But it, it was, no, so it would, I, I didn't have four C's. I had clarity, intensity, competition, and engagement was what I would, what I would have come up with. Love it. Um, love it. Engagement. Love it. So, but but I, th I think for me, the most important thing is the clarity piece. Because actually through the clarity is how we get the engagement. Through the clarity is how we can build the intensity. Through the clarity is how we can, you know, have that element of competition because they need to know what's going on. They need to know the reasons why. They need to know exactly how they're going to plan doing it or why they're not planning on doing it that in that way. I think though, though, that bit is really key for me. So I think it's, but I think the 4D as well. I mean, I've got my own formula, which I use to kind of- They're all good. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just finding out what works for you and not necessarily saying that one's right, one's wrong, or one's better than the other, but it's what works best for you. And I think that's the best way to look at it. So I guess, you know, you, you spoke um, positively there about Ben Bartlett and how he's maybe influenced your journey in, in that respect. Um, but on a, on, a, on a whole, what, what, when, what would you say inspires you and maybe keeps you motivated to becoming the best Gerard Jones there is? Well, the biggest one's family. You know, I mean, we're fortunate that, you know, I've got a beautiful family. I'm really lucky. You know, I've got two puppies that are barking at the most unnecessary time, but there you go. I'm, I, I love you, mate. You know, I love the puppies. I love the the, the kids. I've got two kids. I always wanted to do 
sort of have a, a lifestyle where I can provide a really good life. No one has to struggle. You know, you can have whatever you want. You've got the nice house and things like that. That's, for me, the biggest driver. People might say, oh, are those the right things? Well, my driver is making sure that my kids are happy. You know, they've got a nice roof over the head. They've got a beautiful environment. They're, they're happy. They're smiling every day. They don't have to want for anything. You know, all those things. That's And, and even before I had kids, that was my driver. My driver was... How can I be the best? I want to be, I want to be known. I want to be remarkable. You know, the word remarkable means someone's remarking upon you. And I want that to be in a positive light. And I want to be able to create, um, be able to, you know, use my expertise to create a great lifestyle for my family. You know, so that's my driver. And every time I just want to be the best, you know, I've got this absolute hunger. Anyone who's listening, I've just got an obsession with wanting to learn and wanting to be the best. And I'm hugely competitive with that. And, um, you know, yeah, just just want to be the best, just want to learn. And um, and I'm excited about going into places where I know I'll be out of my comfort zone. I'll know, you know, oof, this is a big jump. Going to have to, you know, learn on the move here. <laughs> Going to have to learn quick, you know. And I like those sort of environments. You know, going to Morocco was exactly that. I mean, people talk about, um, you know, slides where they say working under pressure, adaptability, you know, um, yeah, comfort zone and things like this. Everyone's got, I bet you've got a million one of them, you know, these PowerPoints. Listen, day one in Morocco, got the job. I could write slides on day one alone. And, you know, try try being 24-7 out of your comfort zone. And that's nothing, that, being in the panic zone for 24-7. And that's nothing to do with competency. That's to do with environment, culture, um, being tested every day in different ways. Um, you know, one minute you've had a conversation, you think you're going in this way, next minute it changes and it goes over here. Having to learn another language, having to be able to present in another language, coach another language, lead in another language, never mind, you know, bring people with you. So all those things, that to me was like, you know, you're quite safe and stable here and then I've had to go up here um, and, 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 learn how to deal with people who've got far more experience than you. So you've got to deal with that and uh, learn as much as you can from them. And so for me, that's what excites me because yeah. I'm going to use all these experiences to, to, as you said, be the best version of, of myself. Excellent. And you know, just on that, you talked about a range of different things that you're going to have to potentially go on, on go through on that journey. What would you say is the, the biggest challenge that you've had to face so far in your coaching journey? And how have you gone about dealing with that? And, you know, it could potentially be something you might be still be dealing with. Um, and if so what are your plans to try and overcome it well the biggest not disadvantage uh, but some people may perceive it that way the biggest thing uh, obviously against me in terms of working at a higher level is the fact that I haven't played professionally now I'm fortunate that the world is changing Um, people are becoming more educated owners are becoming more educated Um, I mean they're always intelligent anyway but there's a different breed of owners now different breed of investors, uh, different breed of and clientele of coaches coming through. There's a lot of academy coaches who are educated, who have got degrees, worked in academia. Some of them are qualified teachers, you know, so on and so on. So for me, I use that word at a start, disadvantage of not playing professionally, because of course I've not had those experiences to, to, to pull from. I haven't worked under certain managers or been in those moments as a player. 
and for some people, the level that I need to work at and, and, and I'm working at and will work at, you, you know, it, it's hard not having had those experiences. So um, I've had to catch up on other areas and, and obviously be stronger in other areas to try and compensate. And of course, surround myself with people who will have those experiences and those skills. And one thing I'm always trying to get better at is um, just trying to stay ahead of the game know what the game's about and uh, try and predict what the future looks like. And more so, what do I think the future, what do I want the future to look like? And that's something that I'm wrestling with all the time. That and um, trying to manage my enthusiasm because I know, um, I like, you know, we all like to talk. Uh, I don't talk a lot when I'm working with players. I'm quite to the point. Um, but in general, you know, managing my enthusiasm because of course for some people that might be too intense or whatever or you know my work ethic i'm just 100 miles an hour every day and it's helped me it's, it's, it's who i am it's in my dna and people say you know you need to switch off and work-life balance i've heard these things i don't believe in them um i think the modern world now is 2021 it's work-life integration you know if you're doing what you love and it's, it's almost like a hobby. You're doing literally what you love. I'm not stacking shells at Tesco. Yeah. I'm not doing something that I wouldn't want to do. I'm, do. I'm getting paid really well to coach football and talk about football. Come on, what a dream. Yeah. No, so for me, it's, it's, it's a dream, right? Same with you with, the, with this podcast and, and everything else that you do. It's, yeah. it's, it's the job. Yeah, definitely spot on. And I, I, think, I think that that whole life and work balance thing, like if, if I'm being honest, I'll, I'll come to it doesn't exist. You can't balance. <laughs> you can't. You can't because find balance means it's something that it's eventually steady. The moment you think you're balanced, you fall out of balance again. Right. Uh, so I think it's more what you're doing is you're balancing constantly rather than ever getting to a point of balance. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's chaos. A different topic. <laughs> but, um, no, but no, but I find it's quite interesting. You, you, you're right. It is um, the landscape is certainly shifting. Um, in terms of people who have maybe not had ex-professional playing backgrounds, I think more credit is being given, and I think um, you're right. The, the education has education of owners and education of other people within the industry have, has probably um, really been a big push in, push for that, especially because we now we are seeing so many different people with the MD teams, and you got your psychologist, you got your strength and conditioning coach, you got all these different people coming around the table, um, to, you know, to be part of the youth development pathways and even performance pathways at a senior game. Um, so I think that it's yeah. almost getting to that point where there's no, it's not that there's too many cooks in the kitchen, but every cook has a different dish. Um, no, I like it. And, and people are getting younger as well. You know, for me, um, I mean, I, I, don't, I could be biased, but I've never agreed with um, on certain, like if, you know, if it's job applications or whatever, people concern themselves with age. To yeah. me, age is irrelevant in a lot of respects and people might go whoa bold statement well of course you could have somebody who's 50 60 yeah they've been on the planet for 60 years but that doesn't mean that they've they've worked at their craft for 60 years That's you know true. And, and 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 for me it's not necessarily always quantity it's quality you know how rich are those experiences and of course you know if you've got life experience that's a winner of without a shadow of a doubt and you get and the older you get you should get wiser of course but you know, it's not always the case. Some people might be doing the same thing over and over again. Well, to me, that, that's not 30 years or 20 years of, of coaching experience. 
that's like year one, you know, that's, you just do it day one. You're just doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, you've got to be able to be adaptable. Um, and for me, there's younger coaches coming through now um, who are more probably representative of modern society. And I think, you know, what we've got to do is uh, embrace those different perspectives. And um, and you can see it in, you know, your Nagelsmans and, and many others who aren't even big names or working at high levels. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's key. And I think if you can get the balance between sort of experience, youth and age, if you like, you're on, you're on to a winner of a team. But um, for me, just learn experiences are, are key. Embrace diversity um, and difference. Every environment should have difference in it. Mm. Because mm. if you're getting people that just, you know, are a certain age or a certain generation or, or everyone thinks the same, well, you know, or a load of yes men, surely that's not what you want, right? Totally. Surely, I don't know. Totally. For me, no. No, no, you're spot on. And, you know, there, there is um, definitely a younger landscape in terms of the coaches. And um, it probably is more representative of the modern day society. And I think there's still, a, there's still a long way to go, especially in terms of the diverse, diversity and inclusion piece as well. Um, oh, you're bang on there, yeah. yeah. We're seeing a dramatic change. We've seen a dramatic change in the last five, ten years in particular with, the, I guess, the types of players that are coming through. And I think um, a lot of a lot of clubs are now jumping on board and recognising that actually they're going to need to maybe diversify their workforce a little bit more in line with that, um, which is great to see as well. Um, but, you know, coming back to yourself now, in terms of the coaching journey and, you know, you, you, you've worked, you have worked in a range of roles and you've been coaching for a number of years now. And we've all got them. We might not refer to them as, as, as bugbears, but what, what would be your bugbear when it comes to coaching? Bugbearer. What some of it frustrates me, or yeah, just something that something that you know you, you see generally, or you've seen a number of times with other coaches, or even within your own coaching, probably not so much. So, but is there anything that kind of you you look at after all years of experience, thinking that that there, I can't believe that's still happening, or yeah, uh, maybe a lack of preparation. Uh, you know, sometimes I, and I and I can understand more so probably like yourself since becoming a dad and stuff you know that sometimes it's difficult and there might be something you know going on um and you just got to go with the flow and 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 not everyone's got everything lined up and you know especially coaches who are working part-time or whatever and they've just come off a shift or whatever and so you've got to be flexible but for me preparation um not being prepared or as prepared as you can be and that's myself, you know, if I'm not as prepared as I should have been and I'm planned as well as I could have, I'm, I'm, I'd be disappointed in myself because I know I'm better than that. Um, attitude, you know, I think that's a huge one, just making sure you've got the right attitude to everything you do. Your motivation can go up and down. That's normal, you know. Every, that's normal, it's human. And certainly there'll be times where people annoy you or whatever or someone says something or whatever, but your attitude should remain consistent you know, be professional and uh, always do a good job. Um, so if, if something's messing with that and it, and and it's affecting how you create an experience for somebody else or their experience, that's when I would get annoyed. You know, and that can be players to players where they're affecting people's learning or that can be coaches or whatever, or even myself, you know, if I'm having a bad day, we all have them, right? And someone needs to say, look, no, you know, whatever, or gee, sort it out. But um, those would be my things. Attitude, not being prepared. Um, 
you know, yeah, time management, although you can go with the flow a little bit on that at times because mm. there might be a, a valid reason. Um, but, yeah, preparedness, yeah, probably. Brilliant. So I guess, you know, again, range of experiences. Um, coaching for, what, maybe 15 years now? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, around that, yeah. Yeah, 15 years of coaching experience now. I guess if you knowing what you know now, all the experience you've had and all the conversation you've had, all the all the people that you've, you've come across and, and been able to speak, speak to. If you could go back and speak to Gerard Jones 15 years ago at the start of his coaching journey, what would be one bit of advice you'd give him? Um, what, you know, you've got literally 60 seconds to give a brief message yeah. 15 years ago. What would it be? Good challenge. Um, be patient, uh, even though that's difficult. But um, you know, be hungry to. What's going to say? learn. Be patient. Be patient. Yeah, be patient. Even though I know you said six seconds, but even though some people might try and slow you down, um, I'm saying be patient. But in the same breath, um, you know, this is an important one. You don't want to be in a in a in a, um, an urgency to rush right? Because some people are. But at the same time, if you've consolidated what you need to, or you feel you need to go somewhere, nobody has the right to tell you, in my opinion, nobody has the right to say to somebody, whoa, 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 mm. slow down, slow down over there. Don't go on to the A license or the B or whatever. You need to consolidate your learning. Whatever. Now, of course, if they need to learn and if they, they need more experience or another couple of years under the belt, whatever, great. But if somebody feels, you know, nobody says to people at school, um, you know, you've just finished year seven, but hang on a minute. Whoa, chill out. Well, let's not go to year eight, whatever we do, you know. Don't go to university after you finish sixth form or college, whatever you do. No. If you want to go and do something, go do it. And I would say that to my younger self. I'd say be patient because I wasn't always patient. I'd want everything now, now, now. Yeah. But at the same time, don't let people... Because I obviously would be influenced by certain coach educators or certain people who would say, whoa, 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 slow down. Yeah, and in I, the end, looking back, I'd be like, no, that's wrong. I could definitely relate to that because I, yeah, I even think about my own coaching journey. I, I mean, I did, I think, well, where did I start? 2000, just over 10 years ago, 11 years ago, maybe. Did my level one, level two, I did the mod one, mod two, mod three. Uh, and my goalkeeping, initial goalkeeping level two inside the first two years. And it was just like, well, oh, you're moving a bit quicker. Well, I, I feel ready. I feel ready. Right. Why, not? Why not? And then I went on to the B license. And then within, literally within eight months of finishing my B license, I started my A license. Um, and people are like, well, you, you think you're rushing a bit? Well, I know for myself, I'm the type of person that once I'm on it, I know what I'm, I know what I'm working towards. Passes is a separate discussion but actually getting on it is me getting in the zone of right okay this is what i'm working towards so i guess really trying to develop an understanding of that and yeah I can, there's nothing stopping me from consolidating along the way right but I, I i'm setting that path for myself and i think that's key is what i think so i think you know really and correct me if i'm wrong but say is, yeah, be patient have patience but do it in a timely manner when it when it when you well, right for you when when you yeah when you feel it's right for you I think it's a key one isn't it because there will be people that you've given an example there that you felt you were okay to go on that journey further 
Well, no one has. I don't. I think there's too many people that want to slow people down. Yeah. Because it's almost like a fear of. And I saw this in, and I've got to be careful what I say. I've seen it in England, and I've seen, I've seen it in, I've seen it in Morocco, where, um, apologies, I'll just put this down. Where, uh, basically, in Morocco, there's that culture of suppression at times, where it's almost like, whoa, 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 let's, I'm up here and I've got this job, so we don't want you to take our jobs. But it's interesting because I think that exists in the UK. You know, I think there's certain people that wouldn't want you to get on to license or whatever because you could then be in a, you know, put in their position under threat potentially. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Of course, that doesn't mean, you know, jumping to for the sake of it because if you skip early, you're just missing out on really key learning experiences that you may need to be successful. But at the same time, you said. You know yourself. You know what you need to challenge yourself. You, it goes back to knowing the individual. So whether these people are who say this, you know, go down this or you don't do this or do that, you've got to know the individual and know how they learn. For me, I like to really go out there. I know that I'm not always ready, but I like to get in that position because I'll learn extremely quickly. And then all of a sudden I am ready, you know. But, you, it, you know, you never, you never always... Um, you can't go other people's time scales. I think you have to go at your own time scale. That would be my advice to anyone. Go at your own agenda because what worked for them might not work for you. Yeah. And they're yeah. not they're not you. You know, they're not Yaz, they're not Gerard. So they don't know what a driver's for you. And they also don't know what um your situation, whether that's financial, personal, whatever it may be. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a big one, right? Yeah, definitely spot on. Jared, you know, we're looking to wind down now. So I guess you've told us about all the things that you've done and what you're currently doing and what you've, what you've done most recently. What's what's next for Gerard Jones? Well, in this immediate time, I'm, I'm enjoying the time with my family. Absolutely loving it. Even though it's getting really hot and it's killer to get them to sleep at night because it's brutally humid. I'm loving the time playing with my son. I've, I've missed that. Um, I've missed a lot of time with my kids recently being abroad so the immediate time is spending time with the family and then uh right now looking for that next opportunity where i'm going to stretch myself because there's no question that i'm going to work uh, at the highest level so for me it's 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 making sure that i'm paving that path to get there amazing and then you know i guess this one i, I want us to try and get this one in 60 seconds this is what i'm really i'm going to keep Keeps this, you know, you had 60 seconds now to leave the listeners with some golden nuggets. What would those be? Really know what it is that you want. Plan a roadmap. What does that roadmap look like? And then, you know, know the history of your subject. So what is it that's really that you're passionate about and know everything you can about that? Because I'm passionate about practice design, decision making, things like that. So that's what I'm focusing on and trying to learn. Amazing. And then just a final note then. You're here having this conversation with me now. Uh, and by doing so, you've made yourself part of the coaches network. So what's the... What, when you now enter and leave an environment eventually or you come into contact with someone, what's the, what's the legacy that you want to leave behind for them? Well, one that allows them to, to grow. So you, you're always... Obviously, you always stand on the shoulders of other people, aren't you? And I think you've got to be respectful of those that have come before you. 
because whether we agree with everything they did or not, you know, they've done some good work and we have to be respectful for what they've helped to create mm. um, and try and leave it in a better place so that my legacy would be that, wow, he's done a great job. He's created all this material or whatever it is, or if he's at a club as a coach, he's developed plays, he's helped them get to the next level. Make sure that you're giving them an opportunity where they can grow and someone else can grow. So you're always leaving that door open for people to take it to another level. Try and take it to another level. Um, that's that's the key. Awesome. Um, and finally, Joe, you know, as we look to wrap up, it, first of all, it's been a very fascinating conversation around your journey, really insightful, and I want to thank you for that. But if there was any listeners, viewers that wanted to maybe learn a little bit more about your journey or some of the things that we've discussed in this conversation, um, or even beyond, is there somewhere they can get in touch with you to do that? Yeah, so they can check out my website, which is www.gerardschooloffootball.com, G-E-R-A-R-D, schooloffootball.com. Send me an email, um, or the best one, follow me on Twitter. So on Twitter, it's G-E-R-A-R-D underscore Jones, J-O-N-E-S. And uh, I'm all, listen, we're, we're in the same game, so I'm always here to help. If there's anything I can do, feel free to reach out. Amazing. Joe, well, thank you again once, once again. Um, Really enjoyed that. I hope you did too. And I hope you have a great day. No, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, talking about adaptability. I've had to adapt with dogs barking and running around me and moving. Um, but all good. Really appreciate the opportunity talking to you, mate. And and uh, I'm just excited, you know, to share as much experience as I can with people. So love it. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.